0: Another edition of the Seahawks Playbook podcast. I'm your host Bill Alpstead here with co-host Keith Myers. Keith, welcome into the show. We're going to talk schedule today and some uh, just get you updated on uh, some news out there. Keith, how are you doing this week?
1: I'm doing good this week. The weather's finally turned off uh, summer like it's you know getting out there close to June. It's starting to feel like summer, and I don't know. Is this something we got I've got to figure out how I can do this show outside one of these days and take everything (laughs) with me uh out onto the patio and and um
0: let's uh, do that let's do that um soon i've got a i've got a laptop in addition to my desktop now everything's set up in my office on my desktop because that's just the way it is but i i have the recording software and stuff on my laptop ready to kind of transition into that so all i need to do is unplug some stuff and plug it back in and we could we could definitely do that. I would enjoy that.
1: Do an outside show.
0: Although today it has to be early in the morning because today it's supposed to be like 106 degrees out today.
1: Uh, here, no, I can't do that. Uh, 106. <laughs> See, I was just going to say, I'm like, if we're going to do it outside, what we need to do is to do it uh, later in the afternoon, like something like four or five o'clock, um, and do it on one of the days when we do our um, yeah. Uh, where, where we sit some adult beverages and uh, yeah. and talk about them and, and football at the same time that would be a great time to do it but not if it's going to be 106.
0: Oh you know studios. I can do it so if it, if the sun like if we do it later in the afternoon Keith, if the sun goes down it's not too bad you know you know you've lived in Arizona before uh, uh, for a little while you, the sun goes down it's hundred degrees. You know, you can manage that out in the, you know, pretty comfortable if you've got a beverage in your hand and things are, you know, it's pretty dry and it's, I don't know, for me it's doable. So uh, the other thing that we could do, and we've talked about this, is to get your butt down to Arizona either for a, for a game or uh, for like the draft or draft weekend or whatever and we could do a show or two uh, outside and that would be fun
1: draft weekend would work well because that's in April.
0: Yeah. You know, the other thing we could do at some point, um, and this is just completely just random, came into my brain, is we could get at one of those portable tables and a couple chairs and we could sit outside the Cardinals Stadium and I could make a little banner for our show and we could have Seahawk fans walk up to the to the table and we could we could interview some folks that would be fun
1: that would be awesome i'd love to do that and i wonder, yeah, that what, would... wonder what we'd have to get for permits to do it but anyways we're brainstorming but we're also yeah. on the air so um <laughs> maybe we should talk about you know yeah what with football. Uh, Sure, yeah. okay
0: so uh, bruce bruce Irvin, uh he signed like the first day of free agency keith but we didn't find out what his contract was until just this last week um, it's a little bit more than I thought it was. In fact, he got a pretty decent raise from what he was uh, getting last year. Um, Five million dollars fully guaranteed on this deal, mm-hmm. up to 5.5 or 5.9 million dollars overall cap hit um, when you when you put in the uh, game day roster bonuses and so forth. What are your thoughts on that contract for Bruce Irvin, and will he live up to that?
1: That's about what I expected him to come in. Well, I expected it to be about five, um, and it's about five and a half, or five up to five point nine. Um, you know, if he gets hits all of his incentives and everything, and I'm okay with that. I mean, this is a guy that is going to be uh, a a big member of the defense. He's going to uh, be setting the edge and and doing things against the run. He's going to be getting up after the passer. He had. Uh, what was it? Eight sacks last year.
0: Um Let me ask you this just to kind of put it in a different perspective or a different question. Mm-hmm. What if we bypassed on Greg Olson and his $5 million deal guaranteed and Bruce Irvin on his $5 million guaranteed and signed like Everson Griffin, would that have made anybody happy out there in, in the, in their Twitter world right now?
1: In Twitter world? Sure. Because if you get a bigger, you get a bigger name Um but there is something to be said in the NFL for depth, and um, if you look at the teams that often are doing very well late in the year and and make those Super Bowl pushes, they're the teams that don't just have the high end, you know, talent on the roster, but have great depth. And so the Seahawks decided to go the depth route uh, this year. They wanted to get Clowney, but Clowney mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, wasn't playing along as far as that, so they decided to go the depth route and they went and now they've got instead of you know having Clowney and um you know pick someone like uh Rasheem Green as your two defensive ends. Now they've got uh Irvin and Mayoa and Green, um, and Taylor and the fifth round pick that they got. I mean, that they've got they went with with a lot of bodies and so they can rotate people through and have them fresh and they're better. If somebody gets hurt that, you know, they, there's not the huge drop off and they went that route and I'm okay yeah. with that route. Oh, I'm, t- I,
0: I'm totally in agreement with you a hundred percent, Keith. Because that, uh, I
1: was going to say that route actually has a higher track record of success in the NFL. Um, so there's that. Well, you
0: know, <laughs> here's what happened last year. You know, short term memory, um, we had an issue with the running backs at the end of the year. We were starting Travis Homer in the playoffs. Um we signed Marshawn Lynch out of retirement essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh you could go to the tight end group. We lost Disney early in the year. We kind of battled through that situation. We had a couple of diff- you know different uh, tight ends uh, trade involved in that and all that kind of stuff. Um our corner depth our safety depth was kind of in question uh we ran into some issues with the offensive line on occasion so signing uh depth quality players especially guys like Olson not only can uh, do it on the field but can help bring along some of the younger guys um that's a real good signing a little bit later in the show we're going to talk about what they've done at running back in fact not, not later in the show in a couple minutes um and so I agree. Um, everyone wanted the Clowney thing, but that, you know, if you really think about it, if we signed Clowney for like a $16, $17 million cap hit as originally reported, originally uh, offer on the table, that would have really impacted the way that we uh, did our roster construction this year. And um, so I don't mind it necessarily. I do believe that we're still maybe down a defensive tackle, maybe one more guy for a competition at the, uh, nickel corner spot.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what?
0: Every Everything else has actually come along fairly decent for me. Um, sure, we're going to depend maybe on a on a younger rotation of defensive ends to get to the quarterback this year. But I think Mayo is underrated um, as a defensive end, and I think Urban still probably has a little bit left in the tank. And uh, that and, and the new guys plus Rasheem Green and Collier um, stepping up into year two. Uh, I think we'll be okay. I really do. I think if we can get to 35 sacks instead of 28, I think that's a good step in the right direction and probably puts us in the neighborhood of being at least slightly better than average.
1: Yeah. And I think um, it's more than just sacks. It's also pressure. Like, because, you know, pressure is production. You don't, even if they don't, you don't get home as often if you're getting pressure more often. Uh, you're seeing a <clears throat> drastic drop in in quarterback performance, and with this group of people, the fact that they are gonna be able to rotate guys in and out keep people fresh um you know like they did in 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 past years when this defense was great uh you're gonna see a m- more consistent level of pressure uh throughout the entire game. I think that's one of the things that's gonna be key uh for you know the Seahawks going forward. I, I think that, uh, defensive end, yeah, I mean, we can't, I don't want to understate Clowney's performance last year because I know people look at the stat number and they go, he wasn't even that good. No, he was absolutely dominant, he lived in the opponent's backfields, and so we don't want to, um, understate his impact or or any of that. Um, but at the same time, he was one guy, he was hurt a few games. He has a long injury history, uh, in the pros
0: and he's and, expensive
1: and he's expensive. And I think getting, having lots of guys, um, that can all come in and, and contribute and, uh, make plays and, and be impactful players. We're not talking about Quentin Jefferson, who was quietly there and okay and had two really good games, um also he had four really bad games, but people don't like to mention those. And Jeron um, Reed was
0: gone for six games.
1: Yeah, and you know, uh to have an upgrade over Quentin Jefferson and a massive upgrade, pick any of the four new guys, they're a massive upgrade over um Ezekiel Ansa and um just overall there's upgrade, 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 upgrade um, across at the defensive end position with the exception of losing Clowney. And so now you end up with um, just a completely different makeup of, of that portion of the roster. I I think they're going to be okay. I, I would love for them to add a uh, a defensive tackle that can get upfield and put pressure on the inside. Uh, it doesn't have to be that. It could be a run stuffer so they can turn Uh, Jerron Reed loose like they did two years ago, but they need another defensive tackle. I really do think so. They do.
0: So the other uh, thing that came up this week was uh, Russell Wilson's continued pining for uh, the possible signing of uh, Antonio Brown at wide receiver. Um, And John Clayton was on the radio uh, this morning talking about the chances of that actually happening. He put it at 5%. He also talked about Josh Gordon, Another guy that's out there, played with the Seahawks last year, had the fifth suspension. Uh, the very questionable is whether he's going to be reinstated or not. He's he's going to try. He's going to apply. It'd be another question, too, if the Seahawks would want him back. John Clayton actually thinks that there's an 85% chance that they re-sign Josh Gordon by, by the time it's all said and done. So that would be interesting as well. Antonio Brown, for me, is just kind of a, a cancer out there, uh, with a proven track record of, of being that now he may have a a relationship. I think he's got one with Geno Smith. He's working out with him. Uh, But man, Keith, I don't know. It, it seems like we've got a tremendous amount of weapons already to even get a guy like Josh Gordon would just make that wide receiver room even that much more um, of quality. But Antonio Brown to me takes it in another direction. I mean, there's no question he's got talent It's it's the in between the ears thing that's got me concerned.
1: Yeah, if you look back, um, just a couple of seasons ago, his last year in Pittsburgh, he was arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, except for maybe um, Hopkins, or Julio Jones, Uh, or and Julio Jones, right? So he's a top three guy. And as far as like pure route runner um, and ability to get uh, separation in short space, like the best. Um, And so, you know, he's that level of talent. I mean, the guy is just insanely off the charts. Good. But you look at what happened in Pittsburgh uh, when he was basically getting run out the door. um, And then what he did in Oakland, which he never even played for. uh, That was just a mess. And then he went to new England and got cut after a week. And then there was, you know, all of these like, uh, police Social reports and and, yeah. and and just a, a huge mess and it's just like wow these are three teams that all wish that he had not been with them uh when they, when he was and that says a lot to me and it, it you know it comes down to me is what new england did is they thought they were getting a premier guy that just really wanted out of oakland and didn't like gurdon um So they went and treated him like that. They're like, "Oh, this is—he's just doing what he needs to do to get out of Oakland, so that way he can sign with the team he wants to be with." Um, And so they paid him, and then had to cut him and eat a whole bunch of cap hit. Uh, Now, if Seattle's going to go that route, if Wilson's going to be like, "Hey, go, go, bring him in," let's see, they've got to do it in a way that doesn't hurt them. Uh, It's got to be for not a lot of money and. Even if it's a reasonable contract with a lot of incentives, it's got to be fu- uh, a contract that they can uh, dump on the next day if they have to. Yeah. Uh, without, I mean, If it's going to cost you 500000
0: in guarantees, yeah, that's not a problem. Yeah. Know, if it's going to cost you $4 million in guarantees, that's a problem.
1: Or, yeah, like $5 million, which is what um, uh, he ended up getting out of the Patriots. And he, they actually signed him for way more than that, but they were able to uh, legal it down. Uh, and I think he only ended up with five million at an actual payout from them. But that was a lot of money for a guy that never he played one game.
0: You know, I think you need to take a look at the cost and the cost can be measured in a whole bunch of different ways. You know, financially I think the CX probably work out a situation um where it where it makes sense for everyone, obviously. Uh, the, the other cost is just be in, in the locker room and around your team and, and all that stuff. If they can figure out a way to mitigate that and come to an understanding with him or whatever it is, I don't even, I don't even know. Um, maybe it, maybe it does work. I don't, but, but then again, how would he fit into our current wide receiver group? Um, does it, uh,
1: if you're looking at, at this from a football point of view, it doesn't matter because he is. Um he's a is a different skill set, but he is he would be uh probably the second best wide receiver in the room. Um, I mean Lockett and Metcalf both are gonna say that they, they're there. Um I would say that Brown's probably better than Lockett. Um Metcalf has all the athletic potential in the world to be you know, perhaps the next great, truly dominant wide receiver um, in the NFL. So that's there, but he's not there yet. He's just, he's still working on it. So you're you're talking about on any given play, he could be the best wide receiver on the field. So it doesn't really matter about his football fit because who, who are you taking snaps away from? You're really taking snaps away from guys like Philip Dorsett, who I like, and I think he fits in really well, but if you can't see that Antonio Brown is a massive upgrade over Dorsett, uh, I think you're not looking close enough.
0: So if you could get Antonio Brown for like $4 million with 500000 guaranteed, and if you could get Josh Gordon for the veteran minimum, and then you could have a wide receiver room of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, and then you've had our tight end room. To
1: no, see, here's the <laughs> thing is, I, do, I don't, silly. I don't do that because, um, you, yeah, you have that. I mean, that would be a That would be a silly wide receiver room and it would be amazing. But what are you losing to do that? You're, you're giving up on a pair of rookies that you just drafted. Um, one of which in Sullivan appears to be like just very promising. Um,
0: yeah, but he's going to be a practice squad guy
1: do you think he'll make it to the practice squad?
0: Yeah. I don't Cause know. he's so raw. I think, I think that you make it if you have to, you can protect him.
1: Um, you know, and you're, you know, you've just got a whole bunch of young players that you're then giving up on. And I don't know if the team is going to want to give up on a huge stack of young players when you've got, I mean, Josh Gordon was with the team last year and he made, um, yeah. a, he made a couple catches a game and, and, but he wasn't, the I don't Josh not I think Gordon that he, from- I
0: think that he could have had more impact. Had he been around longer? I wouldn't mind the Josh Gordon addition if that's what it was, or we don't, we don't mm-hmm. necessarily need Josh Gordon. What I'm saying is if he came, I would definitely have him on the team and he would have an impact as a fourth wide receiver or even third wide receiver. Um, Antonio Brown, that's a desperate, that's a desperation type of move. Um, and it's a win-now-at-all-costs move for the Seahawks, Seahawks just aren't that sort of a team. I mean, the last time that we tried to do that, I think it was maybe Percy Harvin or something like that. Um, And it it worked out okay, but if Percy Harvin was around the locker room every single week when he was here, and it maybe would have been even even worse. Um, But Antonio Brown is a whole other level of personality that the seahawks would be inviting into their core that would i don't know it would just be it'd be kind of nuts so any hoot-a-loo. uh let's go to running backs um at first uh right after we recorded basically it came out that devonta freeman was offered a contract like mm-hmm. four million bucks a year he turned uh, it down He turned it down. So he turned, he said no to the Seattle Seahawks, which is really interesting to me because I'm not sure he's going to get a better offer out there. Remains to be seen. However, the Seahawks were very quick. Like within 24 hours, they signed Carlos Hyde. So they kind of had plan A, plan, you know, B. Uh, Plan B fell into their laps. To me, Carlos Hyde was always plan A because that's the preferred back, at least as far as fit for me. Basically the same contract he had over a thousand yards in houston in 2019 with a labrum injury had surgery in february um the seahawks can try to continue to be at the top or near the top of the league in rushing and this proves it essentially Mm -hmm. Um, and when they do this they win i mean they're they average over 11 wins um when they lead the league in rushing or rushing percentage and um and when they when they don't they they don't win. So now the Seahawks have 2,000-yard rushers on the on the team, plus um, Penny and a couple of uh, young guys. Um, what do you think of the Carlos Hyde thing? To me, Keith, he's like Chris Carson. I mean, when you look at him run, he looks like Chris Carson. He acts like Chris Carson. He runs over people. Um, he kind of has the same sort of how to look to me. I think it's a great signing.
1: He also has the same sort of uh, inability to finish a season without getting hurt. Um, And so basically he's like having a second Chris Carson uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, I I like the signing and I know it's getting a lot of like negative, um, you know, there's a lot lot of fan backlash from it because they're like, oh, you know, it's four million dollars. that could have gone towards, you know, Clowney or or Griffin or or one of those type of guys. but, what this straight up tells you is that uh the team does not believe Penny is going to be ready uh they don't expect him to make an impact in the first half of the year at all if you know and even get on the field so they were going into the season with Carson and um Dallas, their rookie, and thinking that they needed another another back. And the Devonta Freeman gave them someone who could have been been the third down back and catch the ball out of the backfield and and do some of those things. Uh, Whereas Hyde comes in, and he's a guy that is great between the tackles. He is such a perfect fit for the inside zone uh, scheme that the Seahawks run. uh, That I mean, honestly, I'm with you. I I was surprised this wasn't plan A, Um, especially when you know that – you know Dallas has some skills coming out of the backfield and that kind of stuff. I think what they were trying to do with Freeman and not with Hyde was basically saying like okay, if we upgrade, you know, the Travis Homer spot so it would we you go into the season with uh Carson Freeman Dallas. Uh that mm-hmm. that overall is a um it gives you the uh, the right mix of skill sets versus going into the year with Carson um Dallas and Hyde because they're all you know first and second down
0: back you want to know a little little known fact that I Mm. picked up today when doing research on Hyde yeah Carlos Hyde caught 59 passes in 2017
1: that's a lot of passes for a running back
0: isn't that crazy for his size 230 pounds yeah um that tells me too that maybe we're undervaluing him or I don't know maybe not he didn't get the opportunities to have those sort of receptions the last couple of spot stops. He did that when he was in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that he could be, he could, he could fill that role as well. So not only could he get the, um, the, the, the carries to spell Chris Carson, he could also get the third down back out of the backfield kind of stuff as well. If the Seahawks believed he was the best guy for that situation. So that gives them just a little bit more of an option.
1: Yeah. Um it, But you're it, right.
0: It, he needs to stay healthy, it, but splitting carries with Carson is a way to do that. He's not yeah. the main guy anymore.
1: So, yeah. And, you know, I mean, he, he was one of the key cogs in that Houston offense, uh, last year that, um, got them to the playoffs and, and, and everything. So, I mean, and they run, um, they still run a zone blocking system. So he's not coming in, you know, having to learn all of the, uh, keys and, you know, where to make the cuts and what are you reading and, um, and all of that kind of stuff that's unique to zone blocking. And he's coming in with experience in that. So it's, it's a great fit. Um, and I, I, I think it's a, um, I think it's, to me, I think it's a better fit for Seattle uh, because of all of that stuff. And so basically you have an opportunity to get a guy in where if or when Carson gets hurt, because he does, he gets banged up every year, um, you have a guy that you know that can carry the load. Uh, Yeah. And that's what they needed.
0: Well, Chris Carson last year had 278 carries for 1,230 yards, and... Um, Carlos Hyde had 245 carries for 1,070 yards. So had Carlos Hyde had an additional, you know, 30 carries or so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he would have had very similar yards as Chris Carson. I, I just, I like it. I mean, it's definitely a 1A, 1B kind of a thing. And this, the Seahawks like to run. They just do. It's the identity that Pete Carroll wants. Whether you agree with it or not, if if he's going to be the head coach and he makes that determination, you might as well be the best at it. And I've always said that you might as well go ahead and just do it better than anybody else because, and that's the way he views it. So, anywho, to live. I think also let's talk.
1: Go I, would, ahead. I would say people have been talking about the philosophy, you know, and and it's outdated and um, it doesn't, you know, correspond to winning and blah blah blah. And I think what it what it's doing and what you see with the win totals and stuff in Seattle is that as the league becomes more and more of a passing league, you're seeing teams uh, go to the nickel almost exclusively as their, their base defense. And uh, there's, there's no, um, there's not a lot of, you know, the run stuffing defensive ends uh, that can set the edge and do those things. Everybody's you know at the defensive end is there because they're a speed rusher. And, and so what you're do- seeing is you're seeing the league evolve to, um, attack the pass. Um, and by going in the opposite direction and staying this team that runs the ball and, and just, you know, uh, gets after people that way, they're basically finding a market efficiency and, uh, having success because teams are building rosters around stopping everybody else. It's like the teams in college football that still run the triple option. Um, you know they're they're never going to be the they because they're so unique and their their offense and everything is built. they so, hard to defend. They're hard to defend because you don't get a chance to practice it. You don't have the personnel to defend it. Your everything you do is built around the other um, offenses in your conference, not the triple option and the, the triple option teams. Um, just continue to run up offense on people, and uh, it's kind of the same idea now. Seattle aren't going as extreme as a triple option, but they're, um, they're f- being different in a way that makes them hard to defend. And I, you can, we can debate the uh, you know, uh, merits of that particular decision, but like you said, if you're going to do something, do it well, do it, be great at it. And I think Seattle's making a point of trying to do that.
0: Yeah, like I said, when they, when they are near the top or at the top of the league in rushing percentage, they average 11.1 wins a season, and they've won at least 10 games and playoff games when they've been in that situation. When they haven't, they win less and don't go to the playoffs. Uh, they average 8.25 wins when they're uh, below 10th in rush percentage. Um, what, since Pete Carroll has been here. So anyway, let's talk schedule keys. Um, we're not going to, you know, get into huge depth here, but we'll just break this thing down a little bit and talk about it. Um, came out a few weeks ago and we just haven't had a chance to get to it yet. They did solidify the preseason schedule this last week. Uh, Seahawks are, uh, facing the Raiders at home, uh, August 13th as game one in the preseason for the Seahawks. Um, John Gruden comes in with, with Derek Carr. Marcus Mariota is the backup quarterback now in Las Vegas. Maybe gets a chance to start. I don't know if that job is in jeopardy for Carr, but I like Marcus Mariota. I like the fact that, that he's able to to play with the Raiders. That's kind of interesting to me. They also picked up Jason Witten and their first draft pick, uh, Henry Ruggs, um, is going to be there. They're, they're the dynamic wide receiver guy. So, um and then they play houston uh the the chargers and the minnesota vikings in preseason keith any thoughts on preseason at all or should we just kind of skip that
1: let's skip it because honestly if these four games all happen like at all if they just happen um i will be very surprised so and the wins and losses doesn't matter and i don't really care about that my uh i i just wish that the raiders were last i know that why it's not, and things moving around and whatnot. But the Raiders have been the fourth preseason game since Seattle moved to the NFC. And to see that tradition disappear is unfortunate.
0: The uh, I will say that the Chargers are the third game, which is the most important preseason game, typically. Mm-hmm. That They're at home. And um, Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert are the quarterbacks there. So that quarterback race could be decided in seattle uh with justin hubert being the high draft pick and tyrod taylor going in there is kind of wanting to to have that uh, veteran spot so that'd be interesting all right regular season uh starts mid-september the 13th Mm -hmm. of september it's a 10 a.m game we travel uh the first road game of the year to the atlanta falcons dan quinn matt ryan usual players there julio jones calvin ridley Uh, They've got a new defensive coordinator this year in Raheem Morris. Um, You know, they basically have the same goal that we have on defense. Uh, Get to the quarterback, run stops, and generate turnovers. Um, That's what the Falcons are really all about. Um, But they haven't had 40-sack season since 2004 when Patrick Kearney uh, was there, had 13. So, anywho, what do you think about the Seahawks opening up on the road against the Falcons and um, any any thoughts overall about just starting the season? I mean, it's going to be crazy. There's not going to be a lot of time for teams to kind of come together and integrate all their new players, their draft picks, the, the, the veterans that come in and so forth. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how quickly Seattle can get its act together, get everyone kind of together and um, form some sort of – Nice little r- rapport with each other to go on the road and, and face a you know, it th- wasn't a great team last year, but you never want to count out the Falcons and Matt Ryan.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Falcons, um, they weren't a great team last year, but they were a good team. Uh, they've made a bunch of changes, they've they've kind of overhauled their defensive personnel a little bit, uh, which will be interesting to see what, what it ends up looking like. Um, but I could see that them taking a step back defensively uh, this year. I mean, we'll see. They've got a different defensive coordinator, as you said, uh, and that should actually help. Um, I like Morris as a a defensive coordinator, so I think uh, they'll be okay in in terms of that. But uh, Vegas actually has the Seahawks favored in this game, despite the fact that it's on the road against a decent team at the 10 a.m. time slot. Uh, The Seahawks are one-point favorites currently, which I was a little surprised at when I looked this up um
0: You know, Wilson's only one and four on the road and in, in home openers.
1: I'm just trying to dissect. Or not home sentence. openers. Sorry, road, road I mean, openers
0: on, on openers. Yeah, yeah. opening
1: uh, opening. Weekend. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see. um I don't put a lot of stock into that because it's all about matchups and and all of that. Week ones are also weird because th- what you don't have a lot of tape on teams. I mean, even what they do in the preseason is vanilla. It doesn't. Uh, teams are specifically not putting together game plans that will show off what they want to do. So that way uh, they don't tip their hat uh, to, uh, sorry, tip their hand to uh, opponents and that kind of stuff. So uh, week ones are always really weird and they give you some weird results, but I could see, um, I could see the same. definitely going in and um, getting off to a good start, despite the fact that it's, you know, it's a road game at 10 a.m.
0: Yeah, the the hard part, and I and I'll say it again, is integrating the, the new guys. So we we we'll probably end up having six or seven starters. Um, you know, most of those guys are vets, but maybe a couple of rookies thrown in there, uh, at least on the one on the offensive line. I'm probably looking at one at linebacker, um, and three new offensive linemen at the at, at least, maybe four. Um, and just integrating all of that together um, right out of the gate is going to be difficult even under normal circumstances when you have a kind of consolidated timeline, no real offseason uh, together so far anyway. Um, it'd be interesting to see if the Seahawks can really put it together quickly. And if they can, I think they get out to a fast start. The schedule to me sets up well as far as getting out of the gates quickly this year, as opposed to maybe the trend that they've had over the previous several years where they have kind of a slower start. So Mm -hmm. um, get a home game after this. Uh, The Patriots uh, travel to Seattle for a Sunday night football game. And this will be the first game uh, since 2002, I think, without Tom Brady being the quarterback for the Patriots. Um, and they're going to hand the, the job to either a second year guy, a fourth round pick, Jarrett uh, Stidham or give it to a Brian Hoyer, who's been around the block for a long time. That team's mm-hmm. in a rebuild mode. I mean, to me, yeah. everything about yeah. this says rebuild. Um, they've lost some veterans. They didn't do a lot in free agency they're they're i think they're planning on getting a ton of draft picks next year and trying to build um build through the draft and, and some younger guys going forward so to me i don't even know what to expect from the patriots but i just know it's not going to be a a quality product probably
1: well they're going to be a, um a, they're going to be a pretty good defensive team um they're going to play good defense they're going to run the ball they're going to try and um give Stidham... uh an opportunity because that there he's the guy they want to see succeed and, and, and go forward with that, and they're going to make life really easy on him if they can. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're losing they you're losing Brady, and this is a team that you know has, hasn't had to play a lot of games without Brady, um, since yeah, 2002, since um, uh, Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Uh, wow. A long time ago. <laughs> that uh,
0: seems like that's nearly twenty years ago.
1: Yeah, because um, isn't it eighteen? Um, As eighteen years of Brady, so yeah, um, and so they're it, it's it's going to be weird. But yeah, especially on offense, they're just they're in rebuild mode. They're um, they're trying to get younger. They're trying to uh, just figure out what they want to look like without. You know, because everything was built around Brady, and now they don't have that. So um, this is going to be. A I huge thought for sure it would have been the
0: perfect time for Belichick to to retire. I mean, what what more can you do? He's got six championships um, since two thousand two, mm-hmm. and now he's going to have to be you know completely rebuilt. It'll be interesting. I mean, they're going to. I don't know that they're not in better shape at all than the Seahawks were uh, three years ago when the Seahawks did a minor reset not a minor reset, a pretty sizable reset. Oh, it was, it
1: was a, it was a rebuild. Let's just call it what it is. Um, uh, the difference is the Seahawks had Russell Wilson, right? And, and he was there through all of it. And so that's why they were able to maintain winning. Uh, the Patriots aren't they, because they don't have Tom Brady. They don't have that quarterback. Uh, there's still a chance that they could go sign Cam Newton. If, if, uh, uh, you know, he can finally get a, a physical and show that he's fully healthy and everything. And that does change that dynamic. I don't think that's something that they would want that they're going to do uh, because I don't think they want to build an offense around Cam and then another offensive scheme around Stidham because they're very different players. Um, but, you know, if they were to go out and get Cam Newton, that becomes a dangerous team suddenly. So, uh, but without something like that happening, I just don't think they're going to be that good. I think this is going to be the first year in a while where they don't win their division and they don't make the playoffs.
0: So the next game is the Cowboys at the Seahawks. Um, This will be an interesting uh, deal. Um, They don't have their old coach anymore. They've got Mike McCarthy. Um, They've still got all the usual suspects. Um, The Cowboys are not a bad team. I hate the Cowboys. I've always hated the Cowboys. I will continue to, to not like them but they have a pretty decent roster. Um, they're they're set up to probably be a ten to eleven, maybe twelve win type of a team, if it all comes together for them. Uh, they did finish eight and eight under Jason Garrett, but they finished sixth in points scored and eleven in points allowed with an expected win loss total of eleven and five, and they just underperformed. They only they finished with negative one turnover ratio. And that was the difference. You take a look at the Cowboys' negative one turnover ratio. And then you take a look at the Seahawks at like plus 13 or whatever it was. That's the difference in those two teams.
1: Yeah. Um, And they're a team that is, we'll see what Mike McCarthy does. He says that he spent his year off studying um, the NFL and what teams are doing and trying to modernize himself and uh, become a more, uh, having a much more uh, modern, dynamic offense, uh, simplifying things for his quarterback, while th- making things more uh, explosive. Um, and we'll see. I mean, because that was really the, the problem uh, in uh, Green Bay was that his offense was just stale. And mm-hmm. he came to there as thinking, being called an innovator in the first couple of years were really good, but he never changed. Well, it, it also,
0: it it went... Even-handed with the the decline of Aaron Rodgers, you know. So you got. Mm-hmm. I don't know. To me, it's Dak Prescott's an okay quarterback, um, probably slightly underrated. Um, I don't personally. I wouldn't want him to be my quarterback, but he's not a terrible quarterback. And then of course uh, Ezekiel Elliott is uh, one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the NFL. And uh, their wide receiver core is amazing, and they've got a fairly decent. Uh, defense um, and they added some really nice pieces and their offensive
1: and, line is in shambles though yes um, that is
0: true that is true but they are projecting to only have um one new offensive lineman as a as a starter uh so they they are bringing back some continuity there and that helps sometimes so okay uh any other thoughts on the cowboys
1: um no <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Okay, so I, here's one of the most I don't fascinating want to talk about teams. Dallas.
0: <laughs> one of the most fascinating teams for me is the is the Miami Dolphins this year. Um, talk about a team that is completely rebuilding from scratch and has done an absolutely amazing job in its basically first year in a rebuild. They kind of had a soft kind of a almost rebuild last year, but just really transitioning to to making it all happen this year. Um, Brian Flores is the the coach, longtime Patriot assistant. He was there last year as well. Um, Josh Rosen, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick are the two guys that have have been there. But they drafted uh, Tua Voa as their quarterback of the future, um, which was an amazing get for them. Um, you know, they, they signed a bunch of free agents, Eric Flowers on the offensive line, cornerback, Brian Jones, uh, Kyle Van Noy at linebacker, Jordan Howard, uh, another linebacker, Emmanuel Ogba as a running back Shaq Lawson. Um, and, and in the draft, they got, uh, Tua and Austin Jackson and, um, a couple of great corners. They got Robert Hunt. Uh, Raquan Davis. I mean, I could go on and on cause they just got a bunch of guys, you know, they had tons of draft picks and high draft picks at that. So, you know, it's funny in the, in the local media in Miami, Keith, they're talking dynasty, <laughs> which is crazy when you think about the fact that they only won, you know, three or four games last year. Um, but they feel like they're building something special. Now they've got their franchise quarterback and things can start to turn the corner for them. Seahawks face them October 4th, 10 a.m. game in Miami. Seahawks, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think that the Miami media should wait until <laughs> Miami wins something, like even the division. Yeah. Um, what, no, Not even a playoff game. Just win the division Um, or get into the playoffs, then you can maybe start talking about how good your team is because...
0: We've heard this from uh, Cleveland for many years now.
1: Yeah. The same
0: exact thing. Because Cleveland's had some talented rosters, but have never been able to put it together. So you won't find out until they actually play the games.
1: Yeah. And so I I do like what they've done uh, just across the board. I like their roster. Uh, It's much improved. Um, They're doing it at the right time because they're ascending as... Uh, New England is in free fall. And so you've had a situation where the division for the first time in forever is ripe for the taking. Um, But this is a team that averages like five wins a year and does so in the worst division in football. And they're part of the reason why it's the worst division in football, uh, because they're repeatedly near the bottom of the worst division in football. So, um,
0: well, they've had some serious talent deficits, but they do have a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator. They look like they're probably going to have at least like ten new starters, which, uh, they, which is really difficult. Which I mean, it needed. sounds they needed to do it, but it's really difficult the first year. Um, I would, I would put some more money on them next year. Uh, this year it's going to be hard pulling that all together and getting everybody on the same page. But by the second half of the of the season, they could be turning some uh, turning some teams um, that normally they would have lost to. They might win some games that they were uh, not expected to win in the second half. I do believe, though, facing them early in the season in October is going to give the Seahawks a pretty decent shot at this game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and they're just such a wild card. It, it, totally. It is oh, a talented completely. it is a talented roster. I do like what they've done with their roster. Yeah.
0: Um, it kind of reminds me of the 49er thing. You know, where the 49ers really had a talent deficit situation and they had a couple of drafts. They they got uh, some free agents and a decent coach and general manager and that franchise turned around. Let's see what can happen with the Dolphins. I mean, It'd be interesting to see. They've, they've certainly had their uh, their suffering uh, as a fan base for a while. It'd be nice to have them turn it around. So next up is the Vikings at the Seahawks, October 11th. It's a Sunday night football game. Mike Zimmer and company come back into the town. Decent team, Keith. They were 10-6 in 2019, but finished eighth in points scored and fifth in points allowed. So they underperformed a little bit. Um, and this is a team though, that is kind of rebuilding it. At least it's defense. It's offense is similar. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's almost like they're just a 500 team to me, but yet statistically they, they, they're supposed to be better. Um, so I don't get it. I don't get the disconnect.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, with them, Part of it for me is I just look at their quarterback situation, I think they are they're in that kind of quarterback purgatory where they're good enough to win a lot of games, but they're not good enough to um really compete for a a, a Super Bowl. And having lost, you know, or assuming that, that Everson Griffin doesn't re you know, re-sign with them, but having lost, you know, perhaps their their best um pass rusher. And some of the other things they're doing on defense. I could see them taking a step back uh this year. At the same time, they've got lots of talent. I mean, that is it's it's been a good roster for quite some time. Um, and I mm-hmm. could see them continuing to do what Minnesota does, which is uh play really physical, aggressive football and win a bunch of games and, and get into the playoffs and um I'm glad that it's at home uh, for Seattle. I'm, I'm glad that's a home game because uh, any advantage that 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 creates for the Seahawks might be needed because the Vikings are always a tough out.
0: Sunday night football, baby. We always mm-hmm. do well.
1: That's the, that's the second Sunday night football game in the week in the first five weeks because the first yeah. week week two is Sunday night, week five is Sunday night. So that's two all in. You know before. Uh, mid October
0: the craziest thing about uh, the vikings keith and and this is an interesting strategy roster building strategy is they ended up with fifteen picks in the draft um and in Seattle what had eight um, literally almost double the amount of draft picks that Seattle had, and they had one two, three, four five six seven eight nine, nine picks in the first five rounds. So they they picked up a lot of young talent to infuse the the team and mm-hmm. keep it relevant. Um, so it'll be interesting how those things work out over over time. Uh, week six is a bye week. Comes somewhat early this year. I think last year it was uh, much much later. I think it was what week nine or eleven or something like that last year. Week six this year. Probably comes at a a decent time. You get a guy like Rashad Penny who needs if he starts the year on uh, the unable to perform list, uh, he would need to be out at least six weeks. So this would be an opportunity for him to come out uh, after the buy, um, which might be all the rest that he needs uh, to be able to come back into the the system.
1: Um, After the, after that, Um,
0: it seems like it, Keith, I'm hearing all sorts of stuff that this he might even have to skip the year. Yeah, which, the, you know
1: the 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 Carlos Hyde signing does tell you that the Seahawks front office is not expecting Penny back early, because if it was, if they were expecting him back after five games, you know, week six being the. Um, being the buy that they could have him, uh, in for week seven, then they would have gone and, and, and found some, brought in like Marshawn Lynch to, to play the first five games and, yeah, or um, a
0: veteran minimum guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, something like that. But the fact that they went and paid $4 million to get a guy, um, to come in and, and, and be that role means they don't have a lot of hope that Penny's going to be back. So, um, he's not the guy that I'm looking, look at with this. It's, it's more of, um, just the rest of the guys that are that are healing and 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 dealing with some things. You got, um, uh, Dwayne Brown today says his his bicep is still healing. He says it's feeling better, but it's you know not oh, not fully not fully back yet. Uh, but it's it's June, right? Uh, actually it's not even June; it's late May. Um, and yeah, so but it's been
0: five months. I mean, come on, what what? Uh, that surprises me a little bit.
1: Well, um, I mean. Yes and no. These are injuries that take a while um, to heal, and so for him to uh, giving, you know, giving for guys like him, he'll be ready to go uh, week one. But just to have it start a little slower and have uh, that um, that bye week early in order for him to like get some extra rest and and make sure that it doesn't get uh, get bad. You know what I mean? You can keep it under control while things. Um, continue to heal, and there's other players with knees and hips and all that kind of stuff. Just I I don't mind the early uh, buy. It does it just sets everything up. Preferably, I would like it to be a little later, a little later, like week eight would probably be be ideal. I know most people are like, oh, put it like week thirteen because then it like gets you rested and ready for the playoff run, but. Honestly, and it's that a long. Can kill
0: your momentum at that it,
1: point. Yeah, and it's also a long season, and you can get to a point where by the time you hit week thirteen, you are dealing with so many people that are banged up and whatever, and wishing that you'd had a rest earlier that you just don't have, uh, you know, the strength to have been competitive over the last couple of games. So I, I, I like a um, a mid to, well, like an early to mid. Um, You know, week seven, week eight would I think would be ideal. So I'm okay with week six. Uh, It is kind of early, but this is a team that I think could use it.
0: After the Seahawks get back from the bye, we face our first divisional game of the season. Seahawks travel to the Arizona Cardinals, October 25th, 1 p.m. game. Weather should be perfect. Keith, want to come down for some COVID-19 football?
1: We'll see if the games are even open to uh, people. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Yeah, Arizona. uh, Cliff Kingsbury
0: is the the coach. I like what they're doing, Keith. Steve Keim at general manager. They're building a roster. I'm telling you, these guys are going to be risers. But they're they're media darlings this year, which are always pining more hopes on them than they probably realistically can expect. Um, I do believe in in Kyler Murray. I think he's going to take a step. Uh, they got uh, Kenyon Drake back. They stole DeAndre Hopkins um, from, from Houston. Uh, Chandler Jones had 19 sacks last year. Uh, Devondre Campbell they picked up. Their, their wide receiver core is crazy. They got Hopkins and Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. And they, they have Akeem Butler as well, who hasn't really even taken any snaps because he got hurt last year. Um. All sorts of guys. Their their most underrated player, I think, on defense is Jordan Hicks inside their inside linebacker. Two forced fumbles, three interceptions, 150 tackles. Uh, the guy's kind of a beast on the inside there. Um, and they got Isaiah Simmons, which is one of the best draft picks in the in the entire draft, in my opinion. He's he's kind of a guy without a position early on until they kind of figure him out. But his upside is just tremendous. So. Uh, Seahawks at the Cardinals this is always a tough out for the Seahawks um I would anticipate this on the road though having rested for the bye gives the Seahawks the best chance that they can to go in there and take a win
1: yeah I like um I mean I like I like what Arizona's done with their roster I'm not sold on Kingsbury I'll keep telling you that um until he proves me right or wrong um but I'm I am not sold on him and he's got a really
0: nice house though
1: which was such a a, I'm gonna say it, it was such a douchebag move a uh, during douchebag the draft. Move. oh um, My goodness,
0: I just want to go over there and have a barbecue with the guy. Though, shit I It
1: mean, was a really nice place, but he <laughs> him posing for that picture silly. in the middle just, of the draft was like, "Hey, look at yeah. this awesome house I bought." And it's like, "Dude, no,
0: just dude." Don't. You're a, you're alone in that picture for a reason.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after that, um, uh, after that, we you know week eight is at home against uh the 49ers. We know who the 49ers are. Uh they are a very um they're a good football team um who has had uh, some turnover but you know when they lost guys usually when you make it to the Super Bowl and you you start losing talent you're not able to replace them and you're asking new guys to step up. They were able to replace guys, you know, Buckner left and and um Sanders left and they you know re- replaced them um
0: and they got trent williams
1: yeah and, they had a,
0: and their top <laughs> of their, their draft their first two picks were really solid so for me yeah. they stayed about the same talent level wise it's just you know bringing those new guys back together integrating them and probably getting back to at least you know 11 wins next year it wouldn't surprise me if they 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 go back all the way. They just have that roster. They just do. Yep. The Seahawks want to have the 49er roster. I think we come up just a little bit short, f- personally. But we're right there because of Russell Wilson. So well,
1: What the 49ers don't have is Russell Wilson. They've got that's G- right. Jimmy Garoppolo, who is okay. Um, they've put a great roster around him, though. And uh, they, this is a team that could win 12 games. And... um you know, for the, this is a, and this is the home game. It's um, the 1st of November. It's uh, the home of the, you know, the home and home that, the they do against division teams. Uh, this is one of those games you look at and you're like, let's, let's circle this on the calendar because that's a game I believe Seattle needs to win.
0: Yeah. Well, it's going to tell you exactly where we're at too, because the, the November 1st is, gives your team enough time to get under its, uh, get games under its belt, get all the experience you need for some of the young guys and kind of integrate everybody into the team. Um, I could see them going one, two, three, four, five, six. They could be six and oh, uh, or five and one coming into this game. You know, if things go right, um, the, every game before this game is totally winnable. This game is winnable. This is at home. We battled them all the way. Both games um, last year. And um,
1: both games came down to right at the very end, just, yeah. you know, a, a few more inches. Uh, just it was so close at the end. Um, I think Anna- Jordan,
0: actually, Jordan Brooks could be the difference in this game. I know that's a, it's tough to say, like June 1st of 2020. We're way ahead of ourselves here. But a guy like that uh, against. A, a tight end like George Kittle could be the difference in a game like this.
1: Or uh, his speed, adding his speed to the linebacker core when you've got Moser coming around the edge mm. could be the difference, you know, And or Bruce mm. Um and just having the, the extra speed on the field could make a big difference for the Seahawks. and having an offensive line that doesn't include Germana Fetti could be a, um, what makes the difference. So well, we've this- set
0: up our offensive line to be better pass blockers too. And that really yeah. helps against a guy like Nick Bosa, who's outstanding as a mm-hmm. defensive
1: end. So uh, moving on to week nine, uh, well, the CX wrap up it's week nine, but it's their eighth game because of the buy wraps up the first half of the season at the Buffalo bills in what might be, uh, the most difficult game in the early, the first half of the season. One, it's on the road. Really. Um, two, it's at ten a.m. And the Bills are the odds-on favorite to win the AFC East, not Miami. Although I do think Miami pushes them. Um, the Bills' roster, top to bottom, is like San Francisco's roster. It is very, very good, top to bottom. Uh, the only question mark comes with that quarterback. With um, uh, mm-hmm. Josh Allen. And if Josh Allen can yeah, do anything. He made
0: so many mistakes last year, Keith. True, I just but, don't know.
1: But all he's got to if he can become a game manager, that roster is good enough to win. You well, know, in order for him to do games. that,
0: he's going to have to raise his completion percentage up from 58% to like 65%. And he's going to have to throw a better touchdown to interception ratio uh, that he had of 20 touchdowns and nine interceptions i mean that guy's got to be able to take care of the ball
1: yeah um but he's also got him got to be asked to not be throwing the ball deep as much as that he did or to being asked to extend plays and run for his life like he's russell wilson um and they were asking a lot of a guy with him that they shouldn't have and they but they've built a nice roster they've built a really they
0: nice do have roster a nice again. roster well, and the one hole that they did have, they addressed in the draft by drafting Zach Moss at running back. Yes, um, they did. And I, I like that for them as well. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they and they've got some great vets. they got Josh Norman at, at corner. He's declining, but nonetheless can give that, that room an upgrade. And Stefan Diggs, a wide receiver, we got from Minnesota. Um, that's a big upgrade. That's a big upgrade right there. So they have Diggs and Josh uh, John Brown, who had 72 catches for over a thousand yards last year, yeah, digs to that. Plus Cole Beasley in the slot, 67 uh, receptions for 778 yards or whatever. Their offense probably takes care of its own. It's their defense, though, that is very intriguing to me. They got Mario Addison at uh, Oliver uh, at defensive tackle. They they added Quentin Jefferson, um, which gives them a nice rotation piece in the middle. Vernon Butler's still there at defensive tackle. Jermaine Edmonds is the tackle machine there at linebacker. Steven Hushka, everyone remembers that guy. Um, still kicking field goals there. Um, when it's not over fifty yards, he's spot on. After that, he's you know it's a crapshoot for him, but it always has been, especially in Buffalo late in the season. Um, yeah, but nice nice roster. I and it's and it's on the road. That is one of those things where you look at the schedule, you're just going, I'm not so sure on this one um but i'm um, i i it's hard to discount russell wilson in any game especially when he's facing an inferior quarterback um it's it's hard to pick against seattle what's next
1: uh so <clears throat> then they begin the second half on the road against the rams um the rams are a declining team uh they've lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball uh that Jared Goff contract is is just it's just hamstringing them at the moment, and uh, so they've had to, you know, they they've lost a bunch of talent, and um, there are teams on the decline. Uh, I think you look at them, and they appear to be the bottom feeders of the. Uh, the NFC West, which doesn't say much because this is a, the NFC West, could get three teams into the playoffs pretty easily. Um, mm-hmm. So they could be the yeah, bottom but still feeders like with a seven, seven wins.
0: They're still yeah, a seven win team. I
1: think <laughs> yeah. So so they could be the bottom feeders at a seven win team. They're they aren't they are bad and they're they're well coached. Um, I just. I just don't see the talent there to to do as much. This is a team that's going to they're on the decline. Um the CX need to be able to go on the road in LA and get a win. Um they were able to do it last year, they need to do it again. Um and but yeah, it's it's, it's their um their road game against uh the Rams. But if you look at it, so they will have played their road games against Arizona and the Rams. Um, at by at the end, by this point, they've had their home game against San Francisco. So they'll, uh, and then they turn around and, and they play the, the week after that at home against Arizona. So they've, will have done most of their, um, their, uh, conference, not conference division schedule, uh, by the end of their first 10 games. So they will The most have,
0: interesting thing for me on that LA game is seeing their brand new stadium. Like, that thing is... I've seen pictures of it. It's just amazing. And then the the video board in the middle is just outstanding. That'll be the funnest aspect of that whole situation. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know that... You're right. Yeah, Cardinals at that the Seahawks on November 19th. What's, that, what's that, that
1: stadium in, in the Rams is over $2 billion over budget.
0: Yeah, it's $5 billion total.
1: Yeah, it's actually like 5.8. Um, that's just it's, crazy.
0: It, what did they build the than... Seahawks Stadium for? Under a billion?
1: Yeah, it was like... Uh, Something like 800 million which at the time yeah, even was like, even in oh my god that's huge
0: would, yeah even in today's dollars that would only be you know double that or whatever um November 19th uh Thursday night football so we got a quick turnaround time with the Cardinals at Seahawks so if you're going to have a quick turnaround at, it, at least it's at home yeah mm-hmm. and and we'll see Cardinals have given uh, Seahawks fits at home can Seattle be a better home team um, defending their home field this year now depends on the fan situation with the COVID nineteen thing. If we can pack the stands, we can make some noise. Otherwise, our uh, our home field advantage kind of washed this year. So we'll, we'll have to see.
1: Well, the one advantage of I mean we, even if, even without the fans, the thing is is that you don't have to travel, and so you get back um, Sunday night uh, from. a uh, a road game in LA, but it's not, so it's a, it's a short, short commute home. Um, and then you play at home. And so it's just you, by not traveling, it gives you a little more time, a little more rest, um, and to get ready for that, uh, Arizona game. And so I, I do think that that will be helpful. Um, especially because after that, they do have the mini buy right? Cause they go from Thursday to Sunday. So it's a week and a half, uh, many by Thursday have to Monday. Get... Oh, it is Monday. So yeah. So it's, um, so it's even longer. But yeah, so the Thursday to Monday, but they have to go back on the road uh after that game to go all the way to the East Coast to play the Eagles. Um, the Eagles are always a tough team. Um you know, to do that on Monday night football. Uh, but having that, you know, making that trip across uh the country to play that night game um is always a challenge, but to have the extra days of rest and and preparation following the um the Thursday night game is just helpful. And so uh, I, that's the way that works out with the weeks, uh, 10, 11 and 12 um, with Arizona being at home and then having to go on the road, that schedule kind of puts together a nice little uh, like pocket for the Seahawks. It just worked out well scheduling wise that uh, they were able to use that mini buy to help Mm -hmm. prep for one of the, for the, maybe their biggest road game.
0: Yeah, this isn't so far. The schedule is actually lines up pretty well. You know, it's every year, you know, you complain about your schedule or whatever. I I don't have any complaints about this schedule, it is what it is. Um, And it seems like it's, you know, the timing and the, the night games and the Thursdays and the Mondays and stuff are kind of line up for Seattle uh, to be able to at least be in the best position they can to take advantage of, the, of some of these games. The interesting thing about the, the Eagles to me was their draft. I thought they had a great draft. Uh, probably won't see a lot of guys show up this year, but the, the Jalen Rager pick, the, the Jalen Hurts uh, at quarterback pick at, at 253 overall was interesting when you've got Wentz there. Um, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know what the intent was. Um, and then Debian Taylor linebacker, Kevon Wallace, they got John Hightower. You, you talked about it. Wide receiver, uh, pre-draft as a guy that you, you were interested in. Quiz Watkins was a wide receiver that I talked about, um, being kind of a slot guy. They got Prince Tega, uh, was it Wagano at defensive or offensive tackle with mm-hmm. this, with the 210th pick overall, that guy was projected to go in the, second round by a lot of folks what happened with that guy
1: yeah i don't know that's uh, that was one of those one of those cases of a guy dropping and everyone's like looking around going what didn't we hear what what didn't what happened off the field uh that, that made every single team not want this guy because this tape's pretty good yeah
0: so next up new york giants we play two new york teams um back to back at home New York Giants are first up December 6th. Um, they got a new head coach. Uh, he spent a, all of his time at, at the Patriots, a very familiar team to him. Um, they they got a new starting quarterback. They, Daniel Jones. Uh, Saquon Barkley's there at running back. Love him. Golden Tate's there. Um, mm-hmm. Name we all remember. Andrew Thomas was their fourth overall pick in the draft in 2020 to play left tackle. Um, overall, a young developing roster Seahawks shouldn't have any problem at home uh, uh getting past these guys and then the next
1: still a year away at least
0: at least and the next team up New York Jets December 13th uh afternoon game um the interesting thing about Adam Gase as the head coach is he was the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos during the 2013-14 Super Bowl uh, appearance with uh with the Seahawks um Against the Seahawks. So that's interesting to me. Other than that, they've got Sam Darnold, the quarterback, who's okay. Um, LeVon Bell uh, is...
1: Darnold shows moments where he looks like he could be the real thing, but they're still waiting on development. And that was part of the reason why they went and got Gase, even though he didn't have a track record of success, was because he was supposed to be able to develop uh, Darnold to be their quarterback. And it just... It hasn't happened yet, so uh, this could be a make-or-break year for for him. If they if they're bad and they come in, and um, Darnold's throwing a bunch of interceptions, and the Seahawks, um, you know, whacks the the Jets there, you could see Gase uh, being gone afterward. You could see the team starting to look at interesting uh, replacing Sam Darnold. We're kind of in that spot.
0: I don't know. I mean it, it's such a young roster. It seems like you you're you you got to give your coach a chance, you know. Um they do have a lot of nice young players. They they drafted um well they have Denzel Mims, mm-hmm. um, they got uh Connor McGovern at center in free agency, which both of us really liked. Yeah. Devon Bell at running back, which is he's an outstanding running back. Um the Mika Becton offensive tackle pick in the first round that they got. Um they got they got some pieces. It's just young. They got to put it together. It's it's gonna be a couple years. Um Seahawks should have that. Uh December 20th. We're getting close to the end here, folks. Uh Seahawks at the Redskins. We gotta go all the way back uh to the East Coast for this 10 a.m. game. Ron Rivera is the coach. He brings everybody over from the Panthers. Kyle Allen's the quarterback, Alex Smith is the backup. Alex Smith would have that brutal leg injury. Um, and then Dwayne Haskins is another guy that's sitting there as well. Um, other than that, Keith, it's an uninspiring roster and the Seahawks should have no problem in this game, even on the road.
1: Yep. I gotta say the Alex Smith injury is worth talking about just because one, it was brutal. And then if you saw the, the little like documentary on him, um, like he almost mm-hmm. lost his leg like straight up almost lost his leg and um to see him working out and posting those videos of him doing stuff and you can tell the strength isn't there the flexibility's not there in that leg um mm-hmm. he may never play again but uh just to see him go from where he was where amputation was an was absolutely a, a possibility on the table being considered to being able to work out and do those things and go through the drills and just to see that happening. um, It's a, it's a great like comeback story. And I know he's getting older and he's never been like a great player. um, But I'm going to be rooting for Alex Smith. If he he gets back on the field, having seen that because it's just crazy how bad that got uh, for him and how hard he's had to work to get back to where he is.
0: Yeah, Darius Geis is another guy, too, um, that missed his rookie year with an ACL, then missed mm-hmm. most of 2019 with a torn meniscus and MCL. Darius Geis was the guy that uh, was supposed to go high in the draft, had some injury concerns coming out of college, and then has been injured basically the entire time as a pro as well. Seattle, He was on Seattle's radar, I know, for a fact, because he's that kind of a running back Seattle likes to have. He just couldn't can't get on the field. Um, and then Chase Young was there second overall pick um at defensive end that's going to be a great pick for them long term and then um december 27th you've got the the rams at the seahawks uh we've already talked about those guys that's a december 27th game that should be a win hopefully and then the seahawks on uh, january 3rd into the new year uh travel to uh santa clara and face the 49ers um whom we've talked about as well. And who knows at that point, things could definitely be on the line, playoff spots or not. You never mm-hmm. know how your season is going to go. 49ers, anything could happen. And we saw Garoppolo get injured a couple of years ago and it tanked their season. I don't know that they're necessarily in that spot anymore, but um, nonetheless, yeah, injuries can happen.
1: <clears throat> they're a, uh, a better roster now. <clears throat> they would be able to weather... Um the a storm of a, of a quarterback injury. And it's not like they're not like Seattle where they depend on their quarterback to be, to win them games. Um, and so for them, a quarterback injury, I don't think would be as, as, as dire, but of course, you know, you lose your starter. There's only so many good quarterbacks on earth. Um, so what do you but,
0: think of the, what do you think of the, the overall schedule, Keith, just as a, you know, do you think it's daunting or do you think it's totally something that the Seahawks could pull together?
1: eleven twelve totally 12 wins again. I do it hel- here's what what helps they play both east teams That's that right there because that gets you uh the Jets, the Giants, the Patriots in their rebuild and um, the Redskins The Redskins that gives you four, you know, Miami. pretty easy games. Miami's been traditionally bad although I do think they're We play well, we play them
0: early enough in the season where they may not have come together yet.
1: Yep. Uh the Bills their roster is nice but You know what is Ellen going to do? And then you throw in the Eagles and the Cowboys, which are good but not great teams, at least on um, in my opinion, based on their roster. So um, those eight games, those are your your non division uh, games where that all of the division teams will play. Um, And Atlanta, did
0: we talk about Atlanta too? Right? Oh, I
1: yeah. Um, And I mean, this is that's a winnable group. Right. It, this is it, it's it. You look at that for, um, from the CX point of view, and you're like, I'm playing both the East divisions. Yeah. We got to go on the road a lot. There's a lot of 10 a.m. games. All that sucks. It's a lot of time in an airplane. Um, but those are weaker, divisions. but we're a better team. Yeah. Th- those are weaker divisions. Now you look at it from the other point of view and be like, okay, if you're the, if you're Miami and you're trying to, um, put together your first real um winning, you know, season and 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 competitive season where you you know, you think you can make a run in the playoffs and you're looking over at the west. Um and you're going, "Wait, we got to we got to play Seattle and uh Arizona, which looks like they're improving and the 49ers. And the 49ers <laughs> right. and the Rams may be declining, but
0: they're still, still dangerous. They're right.
1: still dangerous." Um and, and just, you know, looking at it that way. I mean, you have um it could be way worse for Seattle. I mean those it could be two, way worse. Yeah. Those those two divisions are the divisions that um honestly they're the divisions you want to play. You don't want to play the AFC North, um and you don't want to play the NFC West. Um and it and you don't want to really don't want to play the um uh the AFC South either. So um I mean there's there's just it just works out. And, and so the six games in division, those are set. You don't um, get any choice on them. The other eight games, those are favorable because, because of who they're playing. And then it just comes down to the, um, the, the two games that are determined based on uh, what, what like where you finished in your division. So um,
0: Minnesota. And,
1: and the Atlanta. Cowboys. No, it's Minnesota and Atlanta. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Uh, the Cowboys are in the East, so they um, they're on the rotation, um, and you know those are those are two of the more difficult games because that's what happens when you make the playoffs. <laughs> you end up they were second in the division, so they play a pair of second place teams, um, the one from the North and the one from the South, because they're already playing the East as part of the rotation. So, um, and so you know it, the way it works out, they get Atlanta really early. I think that's actually helpful. Um, they get, uh, Minnesota Minnesota at home. home. I think that's helpful. Um, and then they play the East. So I think overall it actually works out to be, uh, decent. Now, if you look at last year, they had the second most difficult, um, the second most difficult schedule in the entire NFL, uh, based on opponents, um, you know, win loss and all of that, um. And then, if you look at this here, you can go back and look at last year's record. Uh, and then the Seahawks come out middle of the road. Like I think it's the sixteenth or seventeenth toughest schedule. Uh, but I found, and a lot of people who've who've, who've studied this and actually done a, done the math, uh, that's not predictive because teams change so much. Um, but instead, they look at the over. If you look at the over under uh, betting lines from Vegas. And to set up a strength of schedule by that, the Seahawks have like the 22nd rated schedule. I mean, it's um, below average as far as difficulty. So uh, to go from the second hardest to the 22nd hardest mm-hmm. uh, schedule means they are got an, ed- an easier road. This could be uh, a...
0: This could line up.
1: This could line up for them to so, wh- get a bunch of So where are wins. we
0: at, like pieces-wise? Do we have all the pieces we need to make that run they need, like
1: they need, a, they need a defensive tackle they, they they've got to go get a defense because who you've got your starters in in reed and ford and then a bunch of maybes uh the most experienced on the list would be um brian monet who's a, a 360 pound run stuffer what if they um, can't get like their guy games.
0: in just by agreeing to a contract what if they've got to go out and and trade for a guy um to make to make that happen, do they do they risk going into the season with what they have, or do they go that far to make this happen?
1: Um, there are guys out there, uh, and and to me, I think that since there are guys out there, you explore that first before you worry about making a trade.
0: I mean, it seems like they would have done that. I mean, they're seeing the same things we're seeing, yeah. um, so it it's seems no like surprise that that would have happened at this point. But who knows what's going on?
1: Well, they're looking at their options and uh, their ability to add a veteran veteran defensive tackle on the cheap who makes a big impact. Um, I mean, they've been doing that uh, since John Snyder uh, got here. Um, And every year it's a different person, whether it was a Tony McDaniel or a Tyra Rubin or, um, you know, just last year it was. Woods. Woods Al Woods, um, they they always just have the kind of revolving door of the veteran defensive tackle that they bring in and on the cheap uh, that does the job, and so I think they're just buying their time and waiting and see what's seeing who's out there and who they probably have an idea of who's going to be a cap casualty uh, either in the near future or when uh, rosters are cut down and and uh, they'll just keep an eye out and find the right guy at the right price.
0: Cool. So uh, good show, Keith. Um, first look at the schedule. We'll come back uh, right before the, the season starts and we'll do our, we'll be our uh, fourth annual uh, uh, schedule prediction show season. Uh, Which last year, prediction. last
1: year you had exactly. The right prediction, not the thing we're not the games because we did it. We go through that game by game, but you did predict 11 wins. They had 11 wins. Yeah, um, I that was better 10. than I did the year before.
0: So. <laughs> I was off by two last uh, the year before because I thought they were going to fall a little flat and they did not. Yeah. so interesting yeah so I I have no idea I haven't really even thought about it this year yet it's just one of those take it as it comes years and um, haven't quite gotten there yet but we will both Um, the last
1: two years I've been off by one and I've been under by one
0: so yeah so So have you learned your lesson
1: no absolutely
0: not (laughs) It'll it'll be interesting to see how conservative you are. (laughs) So upcoming shows next week, we're doing an offensive roster breakdown uh, Mm -hmm. off the 90 man roster. So we're going to take a look at after the draft picks, uh, what can we expect on uh, the offensive side after that, we're going to do the defensive Mm -hmm. and then we're going to come back in three weeks and we're going to do a 53 man roster prediction show. And after all that hard work, we're going to come back a month from now and we're going to do a beer question and answer show to kind of give us a, uh, give us a little break and give us a little fun. So mm-hmm. shows coming up. So yeah. uh, um, until next time, follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks playbook on Twitter and Seahawks playbook.com has all of the shows. You can subscribe there on your favorite, uh, podcast platform and make sure you get all the shows every week so until next time Keith go Hawks Hawks. Seahawks playbook podcast listeners thanks for joining us for another edition of the show you can find us on Twitter Bill is at NW Seahawk Keith is at Myers NFL and the show is at Hawks playbook you can listen and subscribe to the show at seahawksplaybook.com.